Welcome to Crossbound Ministries, where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word? You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the cross requires. Cling to the one who's Amen. Open your Bibles with me to James. James chapter 2 and verse number 9 is where we begin today. And I want to thank those that have been writing in, encouraging us, and just uh, letting us know that you're there and listening. And we're so thankful and blessed by your letters and keep them coming. Amen. James chapter 2 and verse 9 is where we're going to begin today. The Bible says, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. In other words, to show partiality is, is a violation of the law. We should not be partial to people just because of their status or who they are, what their name is, or how much money they have, or what color they are. No, we should treat each individual uh, with respect. And so it is both sin and transgression. Isn't that something? Catch that. Transgression is what? It's a violator. It's a breaker. A breaker of the law is what a transgressor is. Look with me now in verse 10. But whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. To break one point of the law is to be guilty of all, and that is hard for us to get our minds around. It is hard for us to understand that our human nature is to go, wait a minute, but I'm not like that person. I didn't do what they did. I've never did anything that bad. I've that's our human nature. We compare one thing with another, and we have all these little sayings like, it was just a white lie. It didn't really mean anything, but there is no is no white lie in God's eyes. They're all the same. They're all equal. They're all the same. There's sin is sin is sin, according to the Bible. And so if you could look at God's law like a bicycle chain, all it takes is you break one link and the whole chain is broken. It's done. It, you have broken the law. It doesn't matter which law. You have broken it. You have broken that chain. And listen to me. God does not allow us to keep the laws that we like and don't keep the ones that we don't like, right? No, God gives us his word and we're supposed to follow it. So God doesn't allow us to keep the laws we like and break others. Although many Christians do, although many good born again Christians do, they we try to live the good godly life, pray, go to church, but yet we still fall short some days, and some worse than the others. And here's what we do: 
as good Bible-believing Christians, we have our I don't list. I don't do this, and I don't go there, and I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't say this, and I don't. We have our I don'ts lists. But too many times we forget about the other side of that list, all the things that we should do. We should tithe. We should be good to one another. We should love one another. If we see somebody that's hungry, we should get them something to eat. But too many times we just look at what, well, I don't do this and I don't do that. And that means I'm a good godly Christian. No, it does not. God looks at both sides of the coin because this is what it says in James chapter 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The Bible says, what does he call it? He didn't say it's a bad thing or you shouldn't do that. No, he says it is a sin. So there's nothing wrong with having a good I don't list. I don't do this and I don't go there and I don't say that. But you make sure that on the other side of that list, you have the I do. I do care. I do love. I do obey God's law. I do, I do, I do. Just remember that. Look with me now in verse number 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. And like we said, a transgressor is a violator, a breaker of the law. The same God who forbid adultery also forbid murder. A man may not be guilty of adultery, yet he may commit murder. He is a transgressor. It's just like he's done both of them. He has broken God's law. And the, uh, the spirit of the law is this. We should love our neighbor as our self. Adultery, adultery is certainly a violation of the law, but so is murder. But here's the big one. And so is snobbiness. So is discrimination. Too many times we don't hold those up there with like murder and adultery. But according to this, God does. Because God looks at your heart. The Bible says that if you hate your brother in your heart, it's like you've committed murder already. Or if you've looked at a woman with lust, it's as if you committed adultery already. Because God cares about what's going on in your heart. So if we commit any of these sins, we have failed to do what the law commands. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You have failed to do what the law commands. Now, I'm not just beating you down, but it's a good heart check to look at myself and say, oh, wait a minute. I, I, look, I might get snobby sometimes, but I don't think it's all that bad. But according to God's word, it is. So make sure that you're asking God for forgiveness for those times that we come up short, that we may be right with Him, that we may have fellowship with Him. We need to see sin through the eyes of God, through the lens of Scripture, so that we have the, the, the depths of what sin really is and how much, how much problems it really causes and what a wedge it puts in between us and God. Now, that does not mean you can lose your salvation. No, sir, no, ma'am. The Bible says once you're saved, you're born again, you are sealed until the day of redemption. 
You are saved. You're not going to lose it. But what it does, it starts breaking the fellowship that you have with God. It quenches the Holy Spirit when you allow sin in your life. Look with me now in verse number 12. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And what James is saying is, as believers, you are no longer under the law of bondage, but you are under the law of liberty. Liberty to do what is right. What a great feeling that is. What a great thought that is, that I now have liberty to do what is right. Once you're saved, you're a child of God, you belong to Him, you have a God-given right, liberty to do what is right. And that's what God wants you to do. And that's what's best for you. Amen. Now, sin can look enticing and it looks like it's so good and it'll draw you in, but it is so deceitful and it causes nothing but problems in your life and problems between you and God and problems with your family. It may look good for a moment, but the consequences run deep and they're long and they're hurtful. Make sure that you see that when you're looking through the eyes of Scripture, that you see sin as God sees it and how serious it really is. Look with me now in verse number 13, James chapter 2, verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So here it is a question of God dealing with us in this world as children. If we do not show mercy to others, we're not walking in fellowship with God and can expect to suffer the consequences of being backslidden. Absolutely. And mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, that just may mean that God would rather show mercy to us rather than discipline I most certainly believe that. God wants to show you mercy. God sent His Son to die on that cross so that He can give you mercy, so that He can show you mercy, giving you something that you don't deserve, something that you couldn't earn. God wants you to have His mercy. He wants to give it to you, but will you accept it? He would much rather show you that than He would show you discipline. Do you, let me ask you a question, do you show mercy and compassion to others? Do we as Christian, as the body of Christ, show mercy and compassion to others? Hey, let's test ourselves on that, shall we? Do we show more kindness, kindness to those of our own race, our own color? Are we more kind to the young than to the old? Are we more outgoing to good-looking people than to those who are just plain or maybe even flat-out homely-looking? Are we more anxious to befriend prominent people than those who are just completely unknown? Do we avoid people with physical infirmities or disabilities? Do you run around them so you don't have to mess with them and seek the companionship of the strong and the healthy? Do we favor the rich over the poor? That is a big one. That is a big one because many times people will favor the rich. So in, in hopes 
they will get some kind of notoriety out of it. So do you favor the rich over the poor? Do we give the cold shoulder to foreigners or those that speak a language or have a different color or even have an accent? Hey, that's a good test to show that. Do I show compassion? Am I this way? Let me look at my own heart and judge my own self before God humbles me. It is much better, ladies and gentlemen, for you to get in God's Word and use it at His mirror and look into your heart and humble yourself rather than you become prideful and lifted up and God Himself has to humble you. It's really going to hurt then. It'd be so much easier and so much better for you if you would look at this and those questions, and if you answer just to any of them, you look within yourself and ask God for the strength. God, I struggle with this, and He already knows it anyways. You're not hiding it from Him. Remember, He can see your heart. It's not like He doesn't know everything about you, every thought, feeling, and action that you do. So go ahead and admit it and say, God, I have a problem in this area, and I really need your help. I really need your grace, God. Will you help me? And absolutely. He will. Can you imagine looking out the window at your child and there's a 300-pound boulder out there, a big rock, and this little child, maybe 8 or 10, and you send him out the window, you send him out the door, and you say, boy, go out there and move that 10 feet over to the left by that spot I picked out. And the little boy goes out there, and you're watching him, and he's out there for hours, hours, just struggling, grinding, pushing as hard as he can, doing everything he can to move that giant rock, that boulder. What would a good parent do? What would a loving parent do? Would you go and scream and holler and kick him? No, you would go out there and help him. That's what you would do. And when God sees you putting in that kind of work, like that little boy, he's doing all he can, all his might I'm trying, Father. I'm struggling. It's hard. It's heavy. It's a burden. It hurts. I just can't seem to do it. Just like a loving parent, God is going to come help you. God is going to put His power upon you so that you can do it through Him. And you say, but I can't do it. You are right. You are absolutely right. You can't do it. But with God, all things are are possible, and with God's power upon you, God can do it through you. See, there's the difference. It's not you doing it, but it's God, you allowing God to do it through you, and the strength comes from Him. Amen? And He will give it to you because He is the good Father, and He wants the best for us. And He has many things for you to do. And God can equip you to do those things, things that you never thought you could do. If you'll but humbly submit yourself and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I have nothing and I know nothing, but I am totally and openly willing. God can take somebody like that and use them a million times more than the most talented person on the earth because they are totally given to God. They are totally reliant upon God. And when we empty ourselves of ourselves so that we can serve God, that's when God will be give us the fullest and the most amount that we can handle and do the most with us. Because we've emptied ourselves of ourselves and we can be filled up with the Lord. Amen. Look with me now in verse number 14. James chapter 2, 
and verse number 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Though a man say he have faith, though a, though a man should make a profession of having faith, have faith. You know, there was one like that, Simon the sorcerer, if you remember. In Acts, Simon the sorcerer, Acts chapter 8, verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the ghost. And he was even willing, he wanted to buy it. I'll buy it. How much is it? I'll pay for it. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The gifts of God cannot be bought with money. The gifts of God cannot be gotten with human means. The gifts of God are for God's children. And He gives them to each and every one of us that are saved. Every member of the body of Christ has some type of gift. One may be the hand, one may be the foot, one may be the eye. Most of them are not the same, but some are similar. But God will equip you for what He wants you to do. But there are many who are trying, and they're doing their best, and they have a lot of head knowledge, and they can quote Scripture, and they know what the Bible says, and they've been in church, but they have never truly been born again and been converted. And see, until you have that experience, you're not going to have the power of God upon your life. You'll be like Simon the sorcerer. You want those gifts. You want those things of God. You want the power of God upon your life. And you do anything to get it. But you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough to get it. The only way is to be a child of God. And then he would depart those gifts upon you. And they are the greatest gifts. They are much greater than money, power, or prestige. The gifts of God on your life are the greatest thing a person could ever have as you're working for the Lord. And God has plenty plenty to give. He will never run out. And he's always looking for somebody that is willing. Just, Lord, I hear him, I send me. God has his eyes wide open and looking for somebody that is just willing. You don't have to be special or good looking or from a, a perfect family. You can be from the most messed up family and God can use you. The big thing is, are you willing? Verse 15, James chapter 2, verse number 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, if faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now that, those three verses there, the first verse talks about a brother or sister naked, destitute of daily food. They have nothing. And yet one of you saying to them, depart in peace. You've just turned away a brother or sister in Christ. Not a person of the world 
but a brother or sister of Christ in the body of Christ. And it even goes on to say, listen to what it says, that ye not give them not those things which are needful to the body. It's not talking about giving them a new car or a house or money or a new pair of shoes. It's just talking about giving them the stuff that sustain life, water and food. The Bible says, what doth it profit? If you say you have faith, and you won't go out of your way to help a brother or sister in Christ that's in need of something for their own body, for their own health, or just in need of something small. What does it profit? It, it looks really bad, and it shows where your faith is at. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now, Works doesn't save you. Faith saves you. Amen? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to me. If you have true saving faith, it's going to be followed up with some works because God changes your heart. And I've often said that when you get saved and born again, your faith gets tied to your feet and you start moving forward for the Lord. You're going to do something. You're not just going to sit there and do nothing and say, I have faith, like the Bible says, but I won't even give my own brother or sister in the body of Christ something small or something that would even sustain their own body. I won't go out of my way. I won't lift a finger for them. I can't be bothered with that. I got too much. I'm too busy. I can't go near there. I can't be seen with them. I can't talk to them. I don't have time for that. I got to go here. I got plenty of things to do. I don't have time to mess with them. In other words, you don't have no time to invest in God's work. You don't have no time for God's people. In other words, you just don't want to be bothered. You just want to go and live your shiny, what you would think, a shiny Christian life. But really, when God looks down and sees your heart, He says, whoa, wait a minute. There is a big problem here. There's a big problem. You say you have faith, but you won't do anything about it? Well, that's not faith at all. That's not faith at all. You are fooling and lying to yourself. Now, can a saved person do that? Absolutely. You could be backslidden and do that. You could be backslidden and be upset. Or a person might not be saved at all. Look with me now verse number 18. James chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. He says, show me, show me your faith without works. Because if all you have is works, how are you going to show your faith? But if you have faith, you show a whole lot of works. Amen? And listen, people do look at that. They look at what you do, how you conduct yourself, what kind of person you are what you do for the Lord, your attitude, everything about you. People are judging it. They are watching you. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and you've not been saved, you've not been born again, oh, there's many people in church today, many today, maybe sitting on these pews that have never truly put their faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the biggest things I've always heard is I know God. I know God. I know the Lord. I know God. Well, do you? 
Well, listen to what the next verse says. James chapter 2, verse 19. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You make sure that you've been born again. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning into Crossbound Ministry Radio Broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $25 or more, we will send you a copy of Ray Comfort's book, Nothing Created Everything. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook or visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a woman in need of help with with your pregnancy, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There's locations in Inverness and Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507 and Bruce Kaufman Construction providing all your home building needs, 352-400-0230. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida, 352 247 9200. That's 352 247 9200.